Hi everyone, it's Leonard. Today we're going to be talking about the credibility gender gap. If you haven't listened to the July 15th episode entitled Trust and Credibility in Practice, I suggest you go back and listen to that one before you proceed with this episode. It's important to understand what the code for trust and credibility is before we get into today's topic. Hello, and welcome to What to Say When Things Get Tough, a podcast dedicated to helping you communicate effectively in difficult situations, both professional and personal. I'm Leonard S. Greenberger, your host, and today you just have me. We're going to be talking about the credibility gender gap, and I'd like to start out the episode with a quote from Dave Barry, one of my favorite authors. The difference between men and women is that if given the choice between saving the life of an infant or catching a fly ball, a woman will automatically choose to save the infant without even considering if there's a man on base. The simple truth is that we view men and women differently when it comes to trust and credibility. Research shows that when it comes to breaking through and winning people over in tough situations, one of the most important biases is gender. So before you have a chance to say anything, angry, worried, and suspicious people begin to assess whether you're a trustworthy and credible person based in part on whether you're a man or a woman. They can't help it. Perceptions and the roles of men and women play in society have been instilled in us for thousands of years. Cultural traditions and beliefs influence how we see things. And although, as we'll discuss, things are changing a lot here in the first couple of decades of the 21st century, there still is a credibility gender gap that we have to take into account when communicating in difficult situations. If you remember the code on episode 5, Trust and Credibility in Practice, there are four elements, caring and empathy, that's the C, openness and honesty, dedication and commitment, and expertise and competence. And as it turns out, gender affects an audience's take on trust and credibility in every one of those cases. So let's start with caring and empathy, which, as you'll recall, is by far the most important part of your overall code score. It accounts for half your code score. In other words, people will decide whether you're a trustworthy and credible source of information based primarily on whether they perceive you to be caring and empathetic. And when I train people in the strategy, skills, and techniques necessary to break through and win people over, I always ask people to raise their hands if they think that in general, women are more caring and empathetic than men. And when I do that, almost every hand goes up in favor of women. Then I ask how many people think men are more caring and empathetic than women, and maybe one hand goes up, although it's usually somebody who's sort of joking. And my many personal polls reflect the broader academic research. The majority of Americans, both men and women, believe that women are more caring than men simply by virtue of their gender. And I think we can understand why that's the case. Women are perceived to care about other people's feelings as well as their own. They worry about what people think. In contrast, men are seen to be callous and cold and closed off. They're selfish. They don't like to talk about their feelings, or so most people think. And society reinforces those biases. When was the last time you saw a television sitcom where the mom is a bungling oaf and the father is the caring, soothing voice of reason? That's just not the way we portray men and women, for the most part. And we all know that plenty of men are very caring. I like to think of myself that way. And certainly I've known women who aren't. Plenty of men are nurses and teachers. But again, the overall perception is that the average woman is far more caring and empathetic than the average man. 
And since caring and empathy counts for 50% of your code score, a woman walking into a difficult situation and trying to communicate effectively with an angry, worried, and suspicious audience starts off with a much higher code score simply by virtue of the fact that she's a woman. Now, what about openness and honesty? Well, again, both my own little polls and the broader academic research show that most people, again, both men and women, consider women to be more open than men. They like to talk about their feelings. They tell their friends everything. Men only want to talk about sports if they want to talk at all. And again, when I ask my audiences, my clients, whether they think men or women are more open and honest, the answer always comes back that most people believe women are more open and honest. And that means that if you're a man walking into a difficult situation, your audience is going to be more willing to believe that you're going to lie to them or at least mislead them. Men have to make an extra effort to boost the open and honesty portion of their code scores because it just starts at a much lower level to begin with. But it's important to keep in mind that women can lose honest and openness points too. That only gets them so far by virtue of their gender. During my training sessions, I often show a clip from an old segment that aired on ABC's 2020 program. The story is about usury or charging unreasonably and even illegally high interest rates on things like credit cards. And one of the banks featured in the story, not one of my clients I want to emphasize, was smart enough to provide a female spokesperson for the interview, but she looked guilty and scared. And in future episodes, we're going to talk about how important nonverbal cues are in difficult communication situations. Her eyes were darting from side to side, up and down. And more importantly, when she was asked even simple questions, she gave evasive, confusing answers. And when the reporter doing the story asked a question a second time, the woman contradicted herself and then finally just said that she didn't know the answer. So even though she might have come into that situation as a woman with a certain amount of openness and honesty, she failed to break through and win anyone over when her code score plummeted because she was not very open and honest in the interview. How about dedication and commitment? Well, who wakes up, feeds the kids, takes them to school, goes to work, picks up the kids, drives them to after-school activities, cooks dinner, cleans up, helps around the house, gets the kids to do their homework, puts them to bed, and then prepares everything for the next day? Does mom do that or does dad do that? Well, in a lot of families, both probably do. In some families, fathers probably handle a lot of that work. But the perception, again, is that it's women who are doing that. That's what mom does. Dad comes home, collapses into a chair with a beer and watches a baseball game. Now, again, it's not the reality in most American homes, um, including mine. I live with my girlfriend. We have eight kids between us. I'm very involved in the day-to-day activities, making sure the kids are well-fed, making sure they're doing their homework, making sure the house is clean. Nevertheless, because I'm a man, most people assume I lack dedication. To win people over, I have to convince them that I'm dedicated, not to mention that I'm also caring and open. And it's important to note here that people don't gain and lose gender-based code points consciously. A lot of what we've discussed over the course of this podcast, and certainly when it comes to the credibility gender gap, this all happens subconsciously. It's not that somebody looks at me and says, oh, you're a man, you're not caring, open, and dedicated. These kinds of things are they're subconscious psychological filters that we're passing information through based on our societal and personal individual biases. And since this podcast has launched in a presidential election year, let me point out that the perceptions of trust and credibility based on gender drive presidential campaigns as well. There's a reason that major party presidential nominees, who of course have all been men, trot out their families on the campaign trail. They kiss babies. 
They do a lot of things to boost the caring openness and dedication portion of their code score because they know that by virtue of being men, those aspects of their trust and credibility have to be addressed. And it's also one of the reasons that Joe Biden, the Democratic candidate for president, has promised to name a woman and most likely a woman of color as his vice presidential running mate. He wants to demonstrate to men and women in the United States that he's not only caring and honest, open and honest, but also that he recognizes the important role that women play in all aspects of society. And let's get to the last piece of the code score, expertise. Now, when I ask my clients in training sessions whether or not they perceive men or women to be more expert and competent, most people vote for men. Ask Americans whether men or women are more expert at their jobs, and most Americans will choose men, even today. And that's true whether you ask men or women. So before a woman even begins to engage with an audience that is angry, worried, and suspicious of everything she says, her code score stands at roughly 80 out of 100 points. She is viewed, at least initially, by virtue of her gender as being caring, which is 50% of her score, open, which is 15 to 20%, and dedicated, which is 15 to 20%. Perhaps she's not seen automatically as being expert and competent, but that's something that she can work on. Of course, it doesn't mean that women can't lose code points if she makes mistakes. But most angry, worried, and suspicious people will find a woman to be more trustworthy and credible simply by virtue of her gender. And, of course, a man, in contrast, enters the same situation, again, before even starting, just by virtue of the fact of being a man, with a code score of only about 20 out of 100. He's not viewed or perceived as being caring, open, and dedicated, only as being an expert. So he has a much steeper hill to climb to establish and maintain trust and credibility with his audience. So it should come as no surprise that when I work with clients who need to break through and win people over in difficult communication situations, we often counsel them to, to use a woman as a spokesperson. When I discuss the credibility gender gap in training sessions, someone invariably asks me a version of the following question. Let's say the audience is a group of angry male auto mechanics. Wouldn't it make more sense to send a male mechanic out to talk to them? Well, I respond by saying, remember that both men and women perceive women to be more caring, open, and dedicated, and men to be more expert. So even if she's facing a room full of suspicious men, a female auto mechanic still walks into that situation with a code score of 80. But a man going into it only has a code score of 20. So even in a situation like that, if there is a choice to be made, the preference is to send a woman. It's important to recognize that these gender biases are changing. And all the skills, techniques, and tools of risk communication are affected by broader societal changes. When I first started doing training for risk communication with clients 25 years ago, and I asked the audiences to vote on whether they thought men or women were more caring, open, dedicated, or expert, almost every hand went up for women for caring, open, and dedicated, and almost every hand went up for men as being expert. That's changed over 25 years. Now, when I ask those questions, even when it comes to being caring and empathetic, you'll see a few more hands go up that men are more caring and empathetic. You'll see a few more hands go up that men are more open and honest. And you'll particularly, I've seen almost an even now vote for men and women when it comes to dedicated and committed. And then finally, when it comes to expertise and competence, the vote is split also almost 50-50. Both men and women are now perceived as being more expert and competent. And of course, that's all good news. 
And it's because every year more men become stay-at-home dads. My best friend is a stay-at-home dad. More women are becoming doctors and lawyers and judges. And in 2008, we had our first truly credible female candidate for president. During the summer of 2010, the Supreme Court welcomed its fourth female justice, Elena Kagan. And as the roles of men and women in society change, so too will people's perceptions of and attitudes towards their respective levels of trust and credibility. So it's important to keep those things in mind. Think about the audiences that you need to communicate with. Is it still the case that a woman will be seen as more trustworthy and credible in that situation just by virtue of her gender? Or is the situation call perhaps for a man to communicate instead? What's clearly true is that over the next 10 or 20 years, the credibility gender gap will continue to narrow. One day it may disappear altogether, and of course that's all to the good. But until then, it is important to keep this in mind. Remember that the credibility gender gap is very real, and if you want to be successful in breaking through and winning people over, you need to take it into account. So this begs the question then, if you're a man, what can you do to boost the caring, openness, and dedicated portions of your overall code score? And if you're a woman, what can you do to boost your overall expertise and competence piece of your code score, since by virtue of your gender, you are seen as lacking in certain aspects of the overall code for trust and credibility? And there are ways to overcome these gender biases in almost every situation. Here are a few ways to do it. Bolster your code scores on paper. So look for opportunities to share your bio before you even enter a difficult situation. If you're applying for a job or gunning for a promotion, for example, take a look at what your bio conveys in terms of trust and credibility. Chances are it's filled with information about your accomplishments at work, degrees you've earned, awards you've won. And that's great if you're a woman because you need to bolster the competence and expertise portion of your overall code score. But men are already assumed to be experts. They don't need to convince anyone with a long list of credentials. So instead, men need to find a way to emphasize activities that, that bolster other elements of their code scores. Do you coach Little League? Do you devote time to a charity? Do you serve on the board of your kid's daycare center? Add those things to your bio if you're a man. And the same thing is true if you're going to be introduced in a difficult situation to an angry, worried, and suspicious audience. If somebody's going to introduce you, think about it exactly the same way. If you're a man, have the person introducing you talk about your family, your hobbies, your community service, charitable activities, anything that will help bolster your caring, openness, and dedication portions of your code score. If you're a woman, have the person emphasize academic credentials, experience, other things that are going to boost that one piece of the code score, expertise and competence that women don't walk into the situation with. And also dress for success. We're going to talk a lot more, as I've said in future episodes, about nonverbal cues. But the way we dress sends a lot of signals about how caring, open, dedicated, and expert we are. Both men and women should dress one level above what their audience is wearing. So if the audience is wearing t-shirts and jeans, you should wear slacks and a dress shirt. If the audience is wearing slacks and dress shirts or wear a suit... Women need to avoid gaudy jewelry, low-cut blouses, short skirts. Men should stare away from ties or shirts with crazy patterns. In other words, eliminate anything that will distract people from what you're saying. If you're a woman, a good way to boost the expertise and competence portion of your code score is to work in some numbers. Reacher shows that people interpret math skills as a sign of an organized, analytical, and therefore expert mind, and women can use this to their advantage. If you're itemizing factors or features or reasons, Number them when speaking and writing. 
Women also need to speak with authority. You know you're an expert, but if you're a woman, your tone of voice and air of authority are critical in getting others to believe what you say. Candy Timson, who's an Australian expert on gender communications and the author of a book called Gender Games, Doing Business with the Opposite Sex, which I'll include a link to in the show notes, advises her female clients to speak up and stand up for yourself, especially when communicating with men. When I work with clients, I recommend that women lower the pitch of their voices slightly and avoid sounding deferential or self-evasing. And we also encourage women to avoid discussing anything that may be perceived as overly personal. Again, women don't need to worry about carrying openness and dedication points, and getting too personal can make it harder to earn those last 20 expertise points. And another communications expert named Rosalind Sadaka also advises women to avoid raising their voices in a questioning tone at the end of the sentences. When your voice goes up, your credibility goes down, she writes. And finally, women should suppress the urge to smile. Reacher shows that the use of humor in difficult situations, although it's evolved, is generally self-defeating. And while this applies to both equally to men and women, women do tend to smile more often. Women also respond more positively to people who smile at them, which means they're more likely to smile back. And it's an urge that I encourage women to resist. And finally, a tip for just men. Speak with feeling. You can show how caring and empathetic you are just by the way you present yourselves and how you discuss different topics. In difficult situations, a man has to find ways to connect emotionally, mentioning his family, his kids, his experience in the community, or something that touched him about the topic or issue he's discussing. In an earlier episode, I mentioned a client that had to appear at a public meeting at a local high school to talk about the leak of some radioactive water from a nuclear power plant that his company owned. And we found out that he lived very close to the high school. He had gone there himself. His children had graduated from that high school. And so we encouraged him to walk with his wife from his house to the high school to talk about how he had done that, talk about how he had graduated there 35 years before, talk about how his children had gone there, just to establish him as a caring, open, and dedicated person before he even started to talk about facts and data regarding the spill. And overall, he did very well. And let me close with an anecdote. Years ago, I worked with a client who had come under attack from critics who questioned the way his company did business. National Public Radio decided to devote an hour to the story and invited our client to participate in the interview. And because NPR planned to have two critics on the program, we offered two spokespeople of our own, one a man and one a woman. And going in, I was a little worried about the man because both of the critics who were on the show were women. Definitely a difficult situation where he was up against two people whose code scores were higher than his simply because of their gender. Plus, the NPR program was a call-in show, and I knew that he was going to get plenty of angry, worried, and suspicious people calling in. But as it turned out, both of our spokespeople did great. And if anything, the man came across as more caring and open. And the woman nudged him slightly on expertise. They made a great team. And it's a reminder that with practice and preparation, both men and women can be very effective in breaking through and winning people over in difficult situations. But still, all other things being equal, if you have a choice, you need to send somebody into a difficult situation to break through and win them over when they're angry, worried, and suspicious, all other things being equal, send a woman. Now on to our wrap-up activities. Most importantly, the songs I recommend to accompany this episode of What to Say When Things Get Tough. Lola by The Kinks. 
which some interpret as being transphobic, but mostly is a love story about a cis man and a trans woman he falls for. The Tender Trap, which I include only because when I thought about the word gender, this song immediately came to mind. It's been recorded by many artists, but is probably best known as a Frank Sinatra song. Born This Way by Lady Gaga, and, I just can't help it, Do It Looks Like a Lady by one of my favorite bands of all time, Aerosmith. If you have any good gender songs to share, please send them to WTSWTGT at gmail.com, and I'll mention them in a future episode. You can send other questions there, too. Please follow us at hashtag WTSWTGT, and if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review. As always, thanks to Jim Cirillo at jimmyumgroup.com for our original music, and thank you to CC What Do You Mean, Snetzinger, for the original art. We'll see you next week. Until then, always be positive. Affordable private Christian university is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.